big idea, Jesus' grace never lacked truth, and his truth never lacked grace. Our weekly identity statement, I am a person of gracious truth and truthful grace. And our memory verse, Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Grace, the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. Please stop for a minute and read all of Luke 15. We'll be speaking of the whole chapter, but I don't want to copy it here to save trees and whatnot. First, we start with the parable of the lost sheep. What or who is the main character in this parable? Yes, there's the sheep, but is it not he who goes looking for the sheep? The shepherd that goes looking for the sheep is the main character, the protagonist, the savior. Likewise, with the lost coin, it is the woman looking for the coin. The woman finds it and rejoices. So, when we get to the parable of the lost son, which immediately follows these two parables, who should our focus be on? The father. We gravitate towards the lost son and even the older brother, but this story is about the father and his reaction to both brothers. A great read on this parable is The Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. If you haven't read it, stop now and go buy it on Amazon. It's worth twice the pennies at least. Some of my understanding below is based on that book. In the book, Keller clarifies the meaning of prodigal. We tend to define it as wayward, but the real definition is spendthrift, spending all your resources. This is the son in the story, a spendthrift. He took his inheritance and blew it on wild living. The son has a moment of repentance when he was feeding the pigs. He comes to his senses, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. I want to eat pig feed, but my father's servants eat better than that. I'm going to turn back to my father and confess my sin to him in the hopes that I can become one of his servants. And from the moment the father sees the son returning, we start to get a picture of the father. First, he runs to meet the son. In his book, Keller says, As a general rule, distinguished Middle Eastern patriarchs did not run. Children might run, women might run, young men might run, but not the paterfamilias, the dignified pillar of the community, the owner of the great estate. He would not pick up his robes and bare his legs like some boy, but this father does. He runs to his son and, showing his emotions openly, falls upon him and kisses him. That's the father. This father defies all our preconceived notions of what the father is and does. There's something far more important to the father than appearances his children. Second, the father immediately reinstated the son into sonship. He brings the robe, the ring, and the sandals. Then they kill the fattened calf and have a party. Well, I wouldn't build my entire case around the significance of each element. Perhaps they do offer more depth of insight. The robe representing reinstatement as a son in the family. Perhaps even representing royalty. The ring would have represented authority to act as a son of the father. The sandals would separate the son from the servants who didn't wear shoes. The calf may represent a sacrifice that needs to take place for the forgiveness of his sins, and the feast celebrates his return from the dead. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Before we go any further in this story, we can already see grace. While he was still a long way off. 
Remember, with parables that have been recorded in the gospel accounts, every detail is significant. It's there for a reason. The fact that the father ran to the son when the son was a long way off is our first picture of grace. The typical expected and justified response of the father would be to stand at the doorway, arms folded and foot tapping to wait for the son to arrive at his feet. Then make him fall to his face, grovel, weep, moan and wail for the wrong he had committed and then make him spend the rest of his life working to repay the wrong he had done. The father doesn't do that. He runs to him. While he was still a long way off, before the son even had a chance to ask for forgiveness, to make things right, to offer his restitution plan, before any of that, the father ran. That's grace. Before the son could have done anything to earn it, the father gave it. This is a story about our father. But the story doesn't end there. There's one more son who has an interaction with the father. He refused to go in and celebrate the resurrection of his brother. He was standing outside the tent being self-righteous. And what does the father do? He goes out to plead with the son. Again, when one of your sons is having a pity party, you wouldn't go out and indulge that. But the father does. What does the older brother do? He points to his works, all the things he had done right. Look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. What's the older brother saying? Look, he yells at the father disrespectfully. I've been a good kid all these years. I've worked my tail off for you and you never offered a goat for me to party with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice he doesn't call him a brother even though he was, has burned all our family estate on prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf, the best of the best meat we have. Are you kidding me, father? That's not right. What does the father do? He calls him son. My son. Even in the older son's self-righteousness, the father calls him son. Then the father says, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Even when the older son is being disrespectful and self-righteous to the father, even demanding of the father and condemning the father's actions, the father still calls him son and reminds him that he still has an inheritance in the estate. It's truly remarkable, isn't it? Grace. Neither son deserved it, but both of them got it. The father would have been well within his rights to reject the return of the younger and expel the older, but he didn't either. This is what grace is. When we're making all our selfish indulgences or or walking in the arrogance of our own efforts, God still stoops down from his truly lofty position and calls us son, puts his robe on us, gives us his authority, gives us a place in the family, deals with our sin through Jesus, and celebrates that we have come back to life in him. Our daily scripture focus, Luke chapter 15, verse 22 through 24. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. As we wrap up, I encourage you to take a few minutes to think and pray through a few things. First, conceptualize. Take a minute and imagine yourself as the younger brother, out there feeding the pigs. 
imagine coming to your senses and then coming up with your strategy of reconciling your status in the estate. And I'll take a minute and imagine yourself as the older brother, seeing your younger brother come home after squandering part of your inheritance. Imagine how you would feel when the father throws the party for him. And now, second, reflect. Are you more like the older brother or the younger brother? Do you need grace because of the way you've blown it? Or do you need grace because of your arrogance in thinking you've earned it? Third, repent. See yourself intentionally choosing to reject both indulgence and arrogance when it comes to God's grace. And now, see yourself embracing the Father as He runs to you. See yourself embracing the Father after He draws you out of your pity party. And finally, thank God. Thank God for His grace. Thank Him that He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve and that we are not dependent on our self-righteousness, which He sees as filthy rags. 